book of 1 John, chapter number 5. I have been looking the last, this past week, and spent a lot of uh, kids being gone, been able to, this weekend, been able to really um, sit down and do a lot more thinking, and uh, studying probably more than what I usually get to. So I've been looking um, this weekend, God just gave me, uh, gave me a thought and began to look at it and um, this is just one of the things, and hopefully maybe we'll be able to get to others. But I've been thinking about being saved, I've been thinking about um, a person when they trust Christ. And probably if we were to go around the room this morning, we would, and ask the question, what is, su- what is a benefit, if you will, of trusting Christ, of being born again? Probably, if we could write our answers on a piece of paper so no one would hear our, our answer publicly, we would probably get a lot of the same answers. Um, it may be worded differently, but they will probably be very similar. And probably one of the most common answers would be that of that we get to go to heaven. And though that is wonderful and that is great, we almost always have to remember that Salvation is not in a place, it is in a, pers- it is in a person. Some would probably even answer the question that one of the benefits of receiving salvation would be that we don't have to go to hell. And though that is a wonderful benefit of being born again, um, I-, I believe there's more to salvation than going to heaven and just not going to hell. And so one, and as you study the Scripture, as you really study the Gospels and study some of the things that Christ says, He mentions more about salvation, about, He mentions several other things way more than He does mention about our heavenly home. There are several things in the Scripture He mentions more uh, about a person knowing Him and a person receiving the Gospel more than He mentions about them not going to hell. And even in the Gospels, you'll find that Jesus mentions more about other things that a person is a recipient of when they trust Christ and receive the Gospel message more than they're again just going somewhere or missing somewhere. And so oftentimes we are so consumed with where we're going and where we're not going that we focus so much on the future of what lies ahead after the moment that this physical body dies that we oftentimes forget about what is present in this, in this now that we live. One of the things that Jesus talks about, probably one of the, the most things Jesus talks about of, of a person that has received Christ is that of life. Now we think about what is life and Webster's defines life as this. It is that which is, begins with generation, birth, or uh, germination, but it is, it is a point in time that it ends with death. So life is that, uh, is that of, of the time frame. We've, we've heard this uh, statement of when you look at a tombstone, there's a day that the, the date that they're born and the dash and then the date that they die, and that dash represents their life. And that's, that's what we think about. 
And so Jesus talks a lot about life after salvation. And I, I'm convinced that a lot of times we're so, there again, we're so, uh, so interested and so hung up on where we're going and where we're not going that we forget what we're supposed to be doing where we're, while we're heading where we're heading. Today, we must also remember that heaven is not about reunification with loved ones. Heaven is not about reunifying the family. Heaven is about us beholding our Savior and our Lord. If the only reason that we long to go to heaven is for reunification of the family, we long for the wrong reason. Now though that will be wonderful that we are reunified as a family in heaven, that is not the purpose of heaven. And so many times it is amazing that, that you can talk about heaven and talk about loved ones in heaven and we, we are, are filled with emotions and filled with, with tears in our eyes and, and, I'm, and I'm not, I, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But yet then we talk about the Savior and seeing our Savior and, and we, there, there's no emotion stirred because we're more interested there again in reun, reunifying something that we have known down here than, than, reunify, than being able to behold the face of our Lord and Savior who has saved us. And so oftentimes we get so caught up when we talk about heaven we get so caught up about uh, about the people that will be there rather than the person that is going to be the light there. That is Jesus Christ. So let us never have the mindset that the reason I'm going to heaven is to be reunified with mother and daddy and Annie and granny and papa, but God help us to always remember the reason we're going to heaven is to behold the face of the Lord, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and to worship Him throughout all eternity. Yes, we will worship Him with our loved ones, but our loved ones will not be the focus. Our Savior will be the focus. And I'm hung up on this, and I'm going to hit this log one more time. I'm going to move on. How many times when we talk about heaven, people talk about heaven, they talk about, they talk about granny and grandpa and all these other people, but yet when they talk about heaven, they very rarely mention Christ. There again, I'm not trying to be negative. I'm not trying to make you mad at the beginning of the forefront. But our loved ones is not the main attraction of heaven. Matter of fact, just to be honest, we don't even know if our loved ones are really going to be there because nobody really knows the state of their salvation. Nobody knows that for a certainty. The only person who knows for a fact that someone is saved is you know for a fact that you're saved. Now we can hope, we can pray, we, they leave evidences that we believe they may be born again, but we really don't know for sure, 100% sure, do we? But we do know one thing, we can be 100% sure of one thing, we're 100% sure that we're going, we're 100% sure that Jesus is going to be there, and that'll be worth it all. So what, what about life? What about this life that Jesus talks about? In, throughout the scriptures and that other people testify about after the life of a, uh, the life of a believer receives. I want you to notice 1 John chapter number 5. Notice if you will verse number 11. 
The Bible says, and this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. And he that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Now isn't that very interesting? Isn't it very interesting that, that through the inspiration of God that the Apostle John writes such a statement that a person that does not know Christ does not have life. But a person that does know Christ has life. To us, that is absolutely absurd. To us, because we see a lot of people that do not know Christ, but they're alive. So there must be a distinction between the life that a person that does not know Christ has and the life that a person that does know Christ has. So there's a distinction that is given in the Scripture between the life of that person who does not know Christ and the life of that person that does know Christ and the life that the person that does not know Christ has is not classified as life at all in the Scripture. So we have to begin to question what is this life that the life of a believer has? And how come there's such a distinction between the life of the believer and the life of the non-believer? Notice verse number 13, And these things have been written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may believe, that you may know that you have eternal life, and you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Now, I understand that in verse number 12 we could say, well, the distinction is eternal life. The distinction is that a person that does not know Christ does not have eternal life, but the person that does know Christ has eternal life. But I, I want, to, I want to, to just challenge that just for a moment. If that was the case, don't you think God would say it, say it this way? That he that hath the Son hath eternal life? And he that hath not the Son of God hath not eternal life? I, I personally believe that if it's dealing with eternal life, then it would be it would, be, it would be recognized in verse number 12. But for some reason, God does not, does not give us that. He just says lie. So I want, you to, I want us to look, first of all, I want us to think about the description of life. This life that God gives the believer the very moment that they are saved. Now, there again, I want you to, I want you to think about this. First of all, we... We, we know that this life that God gives the believer is that of eternal life. It is that. It's not just a home in heaven, but it is a forever with the Savior. Now here, here's, something that, here's something that we uh, sometimes we, we, we need to consider. When, when we talk about life and we begin to talk, talk to people um, uh, about this life and about uh, them trusting Christ, and we say, you can have eternal life. And to some people that don't, that don't seem very appealing and it could be the reason that eternal life does not seem very appealing to, the, to some is just simply now because the life that they're living now is miserable. And so the life that they're living now, they think about life and they think about, man, if, I can, if, if God gives me eternal life, this life that I'm living now, I sure don't want to live forever. So in their mind, they, they think that the life, the eternal life that God gives a person when they believe them is the life in which they're living now. 
The life that we're living now is miserable. They're not happy. They don't have peace. They don't have love. They don't have joy. And so well, why in the world would anybody want to have a life eternal in something that they're miserable in? So, very, so sometimes when you deal with people who do not know Christ, the reason they don't want eternal life is because of the life they live now is very miserable. However, eternal life is in the Scripture as you, as you look at it is not is simply the, the, the quantity of life or how long life is, uh, but it is the quality of life, how good life is. And a lot of times when we, we judge, judge our life, we judge it by the quality of what, what it is filled with and, uh, and how long it is. Uh, but it really needs to, I said quality, quantity, it needs, that's how we judge it. If we, if we have a good life, then... And then it, in our mind, it is filled with riches. It is filled with all types of things, filled with a family and filled with uh, long years and long days. But reality, it should not be judged by what it is filled with. Uh, it should be judged by uh, that of, of, uh, of the quality of it, what, uh, w- w- what we have, uh, what God has blessed us with. So this eternal life, the the type of life that God gives the believer is that of eternal life. But not only is it that of eternal life, but it is, it is life enough. It is, it is a satisfying life. Now I, I want to propose to your, to your thinking just for a moment. Think about how many people in the world, uh, uh, there's some, I think it said it Wednesday night, there's some 7 billion people in the world. And just think about how many of those 7 billion people today is searching for satisfaction in life. Uh, that, 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 that's, why, that's why drug abuse is at an all-time high. That's why immorality is at an all-time high. That's why, why uh, 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 spending, uh, uh, people will, will literally uh, uh, spend, uh, get themselves uh, in so much debt they'll never be able to see, uh, see the light of day again. Why? Because they're looking for something to satisfy, uh, to bring satisfaction in their life. That's, that's why divorce is, all, is, is so high, because it, uh, the, the, the spouse they married is not, is not satisfying. That's, uh, and so there, there's so much things that the, the world is looking for to satisfy their life. But Jesus said for the, for the believer, not only will I give unto them eternal life, but I'll give them enough life. I'll give them life satisfaction. And we find that, we find that Jesus says in John 6, verse number 35, And Jesus said unto them, I'm the bread of life, and he that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Now, you say, preacher, that's dealing, that's dealing with physicalness. Well, I understand he's dealing with the physical bread and physical water, but the idea is that Jesus brings satisfaction into the life of the believer. And the reason so many times that you and I are not satisfied in our life and, and our life is not filled with satisfaction is because we're filling it with everything other than the thing that can satisfy, and that's Jesus Christ. Psalms 107, 103, verse number 8 and 9 says this, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. For He satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. So the life that Christ gives the believer is that of eternal life. 
but it is also that of enough, meaning it is satisfactory. It, they satisfy, he satisfies the life of the believer. Listen, when you and I are walking with Him and you and I are fellowshipping with Him and you and I are, are living in close communion with Him and we're walking with Him day by day and He's walking with us day by day as the old song says, hand in hand with Jesus. When we are hand in hand with our Savior, friend, there is no other time that your life will be more satisfactory than those times right there. There's no money, there's no wealth, there's no... There's, no any, there's not anything that can satisfy the life of any person other than Christ Jesus. We see that it is enough life, but also we see, also see that it is security or enjoyment. John chapter number 10, verse number 10 says, A thief cometh not, but for the steal and to kill and destroy. And I am come, Jesus says, that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So not only does God give, the, the, give uh, to the believer that of eternal life and that of life enough or satisfactory, but He also gives to the believer security and He gives to the believer uh, enjoyment. And, 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 and as, we, as we think about security, Man, that, that's what we all long for. Everybody in here wants security, whether it be financial security, whether it be security in your home, whether it be uh, security in your, in your job. Uh, we all, that's how humans are made. We're, we long for security, and when we, we don't have security, we're very uneasy, we're, we're very, very uh, 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 scared and frightened and easy, easy to run. But Jesus said it for that person that has trusted Christ, their life is going to be a life that is filled with security. There again, it may not be financial. It's probably not going to be financial security. It's not probably not going to be job security. It's probably not going to be security in your home, but it's security of knowing that whatever, make, that whatever comes, Christ is enough. It may not be, it, I mean, it is also not only filled with security, but it is filled with what he says with abundant life, which is, which is that of enjoyment, a life that is full, a life that is enjoyable. And, and, and a lot of times the reason our life is not enjoyable is in our mind is because our, our idea of enjoyableness and God's idea of enjoyableness is two different things. So God promises for the life of the believer it's going to be that of eternal, it's going to be that of enough, it's going to be that of, uh, of security, it's going to be that of enjoyableness. But he also tells us that this life that he gives to the believer is that of exceptionalness. It's going to be that of exceptional. And that this life that, the, that he gives to the believer is, is, is exactly opposite of the life that the world has. It is the opposite of perishing. Most people, when they're born, they begin, they, they're, living, uh, they're, they're, they're living, and they, 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 one of these days they're going to die. But for us that have, that have believed in Christ, we're, we're not living to die, but thank God we're dying to live. That one of these days, this old earthly tabernacle is going to die, but that's not going to stop our life because our life is eternal and it's, ex it's exceptional. It's different from any other kind of life that anybody else has ever offered. 
Matter of fact, that's why it's such a change when a person gets born again. It's because the life that they once was, not, once was living has now been completely changed because they have now passed from death unto life, uh, uh, darkness to light, uh, and everything now has radically changed in the life of that person. Things have, have become different. The things that they used to hate, they are now becoming to love. And the things they love, they're now becoming to hate because a Christ has now moved inside of the heart of that person. And God is beginning to, to rearrange things in the heart of that individual. This life that God now gives the believer is that of an exceptional life. It is completely all different than anything the world could ever offer us. John chapter number 5 verse number 24 says this, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. So no wonder that the reason that the apostle John and the inspiration of the Spirit of God says, For he that, know, that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Because the life of the believer is completely opposite of the life of the unbeliever. And also vice versa. So we see, the, we see that of the description of, li, of, the, of the life that the believer has because of Christ. Is that of eternal? It's that of enough or satisfactory? It's that of security or enjoyment? And it's that of exceptional? But then we see the direction to this life. Notice in verse number, there again, verse number 12, we see the de description of this life, the, the difference between the lives. But we also see in verse number 11, we see the direction to this life. And notice the last part of verse number 11. And this life is in His Son, that of eternal life and satisfying life and enjoyable life and exceptional life is not found anywhere else other than the Lord Jesus. Other than, it's not found anywhere other than in Christ. It's not found in worldly things, no wealth, no spouse, no girlfriend, no boyfriend, no job, no money, no education, no house, no car, no boat, no lands, uh, uh, no position. Nothing can bring this type of life uh, that Christ promises to the believer except in Him and Him alone. You say, preacher, what about all these people that don't know Christ? Are you telling me that they're not living? That's exactly what I'm telling you. They're existing, but they are not living. There's a lot of people who are existing, they're breathing, but they have no idea what life is because they do not know the person who gives life. And I'm telling you this morning that there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved except that of the lovely Lord Jesus. And there is nowhere that you and I can receive life Life eternal, life satisfactory, life uh, an enjoyable life, uh, an exceptional life other than through Christ Jesus. You say, well, what about people who's millionaires and they get to do all this stuff and go all these places around? They're just existing. They're just going through the motions. Friend, you can't, uh, you can't understand what life is until you know the maker of life. Listen, you can't, under, you can't understand how something works until you... Uh, uh, you can't understand how to fix something until you understand how it works. 
And so many people are trying to fix their life and they're trying to fix it by this and fix it by that, but they don't understand where life comes from. They don't understand how life works. And no wonder, no wonder we're miserable and, and so sad and depressed and, 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 and all the things going wrong in our life because we're trying to fix our life by the means that should never be to fix our life. But the only way to fix a life is to find who, who is the giver of life. And the giver of life is God. And if we, can, if we can get to God, then no matter what is wrong in our life, He can fix it. This morning, I, I don't know much about a vehicle. I know how to change the oil. I know how, I know how to change a tire. I know how to hit the starter with a hammer. And if that don't work, just get a bigger hammer and hit it harder. That's all I about, about I know about a vehicle. So if something is wrong with my vehicle, I'm not going to get out there and start twisting bolts and taking things off. I know how to change a battery. I know how to wreck one too. That's about all I, but if, if something's wrong with my vehicle, you know what, I'm going to take it to somebody who understands how a vehicle works. I have no idea how in the world that you can put that key in and turn it over and sparks start flying and that, that thing, uh, that somehow a spark hits in, uh, gas and it goes kaboom and the whole thing don't go kaboom but the, the motor starts. I don't, ha I don't have any idea how that works. So if I put that thing in that, if I put that key in that ignition and turn it over and it don't go, that engine don't go boom and start, and start pumping it and get me to go from A to B, I'm going to take it to somebody who understands how all that works. And somebody who understands how that works can fix it. Me, I'm going to make a bigger mess out of it. And listen, there's a lot of people paying a lot of people a lot of good money trying to fix their life and they have no idea how to fix their life because they don't know how life works because they've never met the author of life. There's, there's a lot of people spend a lot of money to fly around the world, go Dr. Phil and Oprah and all these other people, and they're just as messed up as they, uh, just as messed up when they leave as when they came. Because them people try try psychology and sociology and all this other stuff, and they have no idea how life works because they do not know the author of life. Listen, the only way a life can be fixed is if, it's, if they go to the person who knows how life works. It's not a doctor in the world that understands how life works, but it is the author of life and it is God and God alone. We see the description of this life. We see the direction to this life. But also in verse number 13, we see the definiteness of this life. We see that this life is not something that we hope we have. It's not something that we think we have. But thank God that this life in which Christ promised for the believer is definite. We can know that we have it. Notice verse number 13 again, if you will. These things have been written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you, that you may believe on the name of of the Son of God. There again, the only way to eternal life and satisfying life and enjoyable life, exceptional life is found in Christ, but this life is also something that we can be very assured of. This life is something that there again, we don't have to hope that we have. Listen, matter of fact, this life is not something that we have to wait to, 
till we get to heaven to have. But it's something that we have and we possess in us at this very moment if we have believed in Christ. I don't have to wait to heaven to be satisfied with life. I can be satisfied with life now. But there again, my satisfaction can't come from the things of the world because if it comes from the things of the world, my satisfaction depends on what I possess of the world. But if my satisfaction comes from God, I can possess absolutely nothing but still be satisfied because God has promised He'll never leave me. Many times we try to, we try, and, I, and we, we all, all, all are guilty of it, we try to mix satisfaction with Christ and also the things of the world. The reason Paul could make this statement I've learned to be content in all, all things is because he knew where satisfaction came from. I mean, this is a man that went from the highest of the highest to the lowest of the lows, and yet he said, in all things I am content. Where did he learn that? He learned that, but that contentment does not come from earthly gain, but contentment comes from heavenly reign. Many of us, many times we focus on he, uh, earthly gain instead of that of the heavenlies, that of God. So this, this life can be definite. We can know for sure that we have this life and we know that we have this life, this life that is uh, eternal, this life that is uh, satisfying, this life that is also enjoyable, and this life that is exceptional. We get this life by first understanding who we are. We're nothing more than lowly sinners. Even on our best day, we are filthy in the sight of God. The book of Isaiah would even say this, that our righteousness is filthy rags in His sight. The psalmist would make the statement that, that He knoweth our frame and remembereth that we are but dust. We're not even dirt, we're dust. We're absolutely good for nothing. That's who I am. That's who you are. A sinner, lost and undone. We receive this life by realizing who we are, but we receive this life by also realizing who He is. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, God's only begotten Son, the Messiah, the Savior, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Salaam, Jehovah Nisi, whatever you want to call Him, whatever Bible name you want to call Him, that's who He is. We're lowly sinners, but He is the high and exalted Son of God. Not only do we get this life by realizing who we are and realizing who He is, we also get this, get this life by, by repenting of our sins. By, by admitting to God who we are, lost and undone, without hope, and outside the help of Him, we'll never be anything different. And then we receive this life, lastly, by placing our faith and trust in Him, of who He is, and the finished work of Calvary. There's a great distinguish between the life 
of the believer, the life of the unbeliever. The life of the believer is that of eternal life. It's that of enough life. It's that of security. It's that of enjoyment. And it's that of excellence. Thank God that I know that I have that type of life. And that type of life is not based upon my financial status. It's not based upon my family status. It's not based upon my uh, lineage. It's not based upon my ability. That type of life is only based upon Christ. And I will repeat what I said earlier. Many people are existing sad reality is they're not living many years ago there was a song gospel song come out many groups recorded the song it's just I just started living can I say probably there's been no truer song that's ever been wrote known to man than that that of because of the reality that's in that song Because, friend, when you meet Christ, that is when you just really start living. Before you meet Christ, you have to look over your shoulder and wonder if today will be the day that my life ends. Oh, but, friend, for the believer, we don't look for, we don't, we don't dread the day that our life ends because we know that when our life ends, it's really just begun. I, I'll be honest with you, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do anything to speed up my life. I'm not gonna go out there and stand stand in the middle of a green light and play with play with cars and play chicken. But I do realize that if I go home go, go home today and for some reason I get in an automobile accident and, and I, I leave this world, I'm not dead. I've just been transported to another realm. Preacher, he died last year. He made this statement several weeks before he died. He said, one of these days, you'll hear Sammy Allen's dead. He said, don't believe a word. He said, I'll be more alive then than I was I was 15 years ago. Friend, reality of it is, one of these days you will hear, sparing the rapture, that Charlie McNeil is dead. Don't believe a word of it. I'll be just as much alive then as I am right now. Friend, there's more to salvation than a home. There's more to salvation than missing a place. One of the glorious things that you and I receive at the moment of salvation is that of life. The song leader and pianist come. I want to ask you a question. Are you really living or are you just existing? Are, are you just breathing air through your lungs and your heart pumping that oxygen but reality is truth of the matter is you're existing you're not living there's a huge difference between existing and living and only those who know Christ really understand what it is to live Paul would make this statement he says I'm crucified with Christ nevertheless yet I live For Christ 
liveth in me. He would say to us, dies gain, but to live is Christ. Well, thank God, we have, for us that are believers, have life. Eternal life, satisfactory life, security, enjoyment, exceptional life. And it's only found in Christ. And thank God you can know that you got it. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. I pray you'd forgive me the mistakes and blunders.